yeah, represent, Myra. There you go. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good morning, gang. We're going to have some fun today. Mm. And some coffee. And some coffee, because yesterday was International Coffee Day, in case anybody missed that. <laughs> I didn't miss it. I, every day is International Coffee Day for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, I feel, always say. Myra, like what's in your cup this morning? What am I working on this morning? No, my what's coffee? in your coffee cup? Oh, and my, I was going to say I'm working on my coffee. Uh, Bustelo. Ah, sounds yes. like I only drink. Day. I only drink Puerto Rican coffee. <laughs> I'll bet it's fantastic. You'll have to bring me. Can, can I buy? Like, is that import special import, or can I buy it here? Okay, Brent. So Puerto Rico is part of the United States of America. <laughs> I am a citizen, and you can like get Puerto that. Rican coffee here. <laughs> now I'll bring it's you some. Not always daddy. <laughs> Cheese <laughs> Some things get complicated sometimes. Um, so Angela has made a comment um, already about the about the shirts. So let's take a second and show off the shirts. I'm feeling like okay. I'm feeling like a, a loser today. <laughs> you didn't get the memo, but that it's T-shirt day, Chris. Apparently not. <laughs> All right, so mine says I drove. I woke up like this. Um, it is from T Chip, and uh, it was gifted to me. But uh, yeah, I love so, the unicorn with the cup of coffee. That's nice. Yep, yep. yep, yep. I was expecting I'm, to see it farting rainbows because isn't that like the unicorn meme these days? Oh, that's on my phone. Case that's <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, mine is a uh, a local coffee shop. I had a um, a local artist uh, do a coffee a coffee heavy metal T shirt. Oh, I love it. Is that oh, a brain? Coffee. Rock on. Is it is it a brain though, Brent? Uh, no, it's just a skull. Oh, okay. I thought it was yeah, like a brain exploding. Your standard skull and fire and Metallica font <laughs> smelling coffee. <laughs> Woo! Anyway. Holy smoke. I guess we better talk about something related to instructional design or else people are going to start bailing on us. I don't know. We can talk about coffee. I'm sure everyone here could really use a stiff drink of coffee, right? <laughs> Indeed. And there must be something instructional about it, I would say. I would say, how could anybody possibly learn without first a nice jolt of coffee? So did you know that coffee stimulates your brain and allows you to learn a little bit better? So if you do a test and you try to study without coffee and then study with coffee, you know, your mood is enhanced and your breathing in improves and like, yeah, it's scientifically proven. It is. <laughs> it, it is on Maslow's hierarchy of needs for sure. There's line right in that one spot. It's hard to read, but it does must have coffee. That's right. Good one, Mark. That's nice. Excellent to throw that in there. So uh, let's uh, let's introduce. I mean, we already rambled on a bit, but let's uh, let's introduce today's guest. It's me, Myra. Woo! Woo um, 
<laughs> hey, it's Myra. I feel like Myra should have her own theme song. But anyway. Oh, every time you open, oh, I'm yeah, on we'll, it. Brent's on it. And by the end of the episode, we'll close with Myra's theme song. <laughs> Why is it going to be that Madly quick? Googling. Madly Googling. Anyway. Uh, Myra, yeah, so we should get you to introduce yeah. yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank and you. then we'll move on to the official topic for today, which is surprisingly not actually coffee as a topic. Okay, I, and I will try to throw coffee in there um, as part of my research. So uh, <laughs> so first of all, I'm a huge Queen fan, so just know anything Queen as my theme song works. Mm. Um, so uh, hi, everyone. Good morning. I'm uh, Myra Roldan, and I am a program manager at Amazon in a small program called AWS Educate. And... Um, uh, we're an uh, organization that provides, we're part of Amazon. Uh, we are in the AWS family, and we provide educational resources to um, educational institutions K through 20, so uh, kindergarten through PhD programs. Um, and we focus on cloud computing. And uh, so part of my job and what I do is I work with universities. I'm in the higher ed section, and I work with universities to help them um, figure out how to integrate new skills into their curriculum. So, uh, and it's, and everything maps to jobs. So I work backwards from jobs, which means I do a lot of uh, labor market research. I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of um, finding weak signals and I, uh, finding commonalities to identify core skills that someone needs to be proficient in their job. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, and if you didn't get it, I'm from Puerto Rico. I am in Seattle. Represent. <laughs> uh, and, and it is slowly becoming dawn in Seattle at the moment. We can yes. see the light brightening behind the you. Lights coming so. in. <laughs> so and so I'll become lighter and lighter. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely needed the coffee this morning to get rolling. So, yeah. Uh, and we have this awesome title, which um, I almost think of as like a horror movie. Rise of the hybrid instructional designer. Yeah. In a world where instructional designers. Uh, anyway. Uh, I love the voice. <laughs> I'm not doing so well. I should have maybe practiced ahead of time. The resident voice actor at Domino. Yes. No kidding. No kidding. Um, but it, we, and we were talking a little bit about uh, before we went live about you know some of the things that you're you're digging into the research and and, and watching patterns etc. And some some things that, that you're seeing, which has kind of led to us having this this title for today's session. That um, I guess my my subtext or my subtitle thought was the times they are a changing, um, you know, for the role that so many of us uh, uh, so many of us do. So maybe tell us a little bit about you know some of that stuff that you've been looking into and you've been finding as you've been doing your work. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, and I, and I, I go on rants on LinkedIn. So if you guys follow me on LinkedIn, uh, so, you know, I do Myra Monday and I post a question, um, of the, uh, it used to be of the day and it's turned into like of the week because the conversations just keep on going. And I've moved that into LinkedIn too. And it's just really interesting because I get a lot of people that reach out to me, um, who asked me like, can you mentor me? Um, or I'm looking for, I'm looking to move into an instructional design role. I am a web developer um, or I'm a business person, but I have these unique set of skills. How do I enter like that 
industry. Um, I also get a lot of people who ask me like, how can I um, increase my skills? How can I upskill and gain new skills? Like what is a good path to um, learn how to program or learn data science or learn, I don't know, how to do good assessment or learn how to um, uh, do uh, data visualization. And so it's really interesting to me because one, I feel like, like everyone thinks that I have like this magic ball, right? Like this, <laughs> and I can be like, yes, this is what you need to do exactly, right? And I know like <laughs> my magic <laughs> ball. <laughs> um, and I don't have all the answers because, you know, actually even my, my role has changed dramatically as, you know, in instructional design uh, since I started. And I've been in the industry, I'm like a dinosaur. I've been in the industry for a long time. Um, and I share my background. So I am an, I'm a former systems engineer. Um, so I have a technical background um, and I rolled into the learning industry, uh, which is, uh, and you'll see that there are a lot of people, you know, where they're like, I, been, I was an English teacher or I studied journalism or, um, you know, I'm a history teacher. So we have a lot of people in the education sphere uh, space that roll into instructional design are, you know, taught for 30 years. I, I'm a, you know, college professor. And so, um, all of that and all of the research that I've been doing for like my real job, like <laughs> I focus on cloud computing, um, and try to figure out, cause it's a new, it's a new role and it's creating this hybrid, uh, kind of um, type of, uh, employee because, uh, it doesn't mean that anyone going into cloud computing needs to be like fresh cloud computing and that's all you need to know. Like, uh, you know, I have like uh, network engineers that need now need to have, be able to manage a virtual network that's ran in the cloud or a systems engineer or a, a data scientist needs to know. So there's all these roles that need to know cloud computing. So it creates hybrid roles. That led me down the rabbit hole of instructional design, right? Cause I was like, okay, so this is cool. Like all these jobs have these hybrid skills, what does that mean for us as, you know, the learning and development space? And uh, so, so Brent, you know, uh, ATD has a model. So I'm going to share this with you. So let me see if I can share really quick. Yeah. So I'm going to share my Evernote. Let me see. Is this going to work? Because I'm I'm dysfunctional today. <laughs> I'm sure everybody, you okay. doing, I'm sure everybody in the chat has kind of felt like you you need to know a lot of different things why don't you guys drop into the chat you know what are some of the the the, the areas that you kind of feel like are valuable to you as an instructional designer that that add value to the work that you do yeah so that's so that would be interesting like it's so this is uh atd's competency model and they haven't updated this that since 2014 right so and if you know the speed of technology changes everything like like yes the skills you needed yesterday <laughs> changed dramatically today um and so these are the kind of in the site so it's uh, i'm just using evernote and i love evernote's uh web clip um yeah so this is, however, when you think about skills, um, with D and their skills, um, I created this chart here. Let's see if I, okay. So these, uh, 
these skills, and can you guys still see my my screen where it has mm -hmm. hybridized competencies? Yep. Okay, cool. These, let me see if I can make this a little bit. Guys, it is like seven in the morning here, so pardon my. <laughs> Oh, come um, on, so okay, so here, an hour ago at least. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so these competencies in bold are the core competencies, right? The competencies and the and the darker gray are like eh, nice to haves. And these foundational competencies are supposed to be competencies that we all have. However, it's hit or miss, right? With, with depending on where you're at, because you may not be able to flex like your global mindset or your business skills or your industry knowledge. So unless your employer is giving you the ability to flex these skills, they're not really foundational skills, right? Um, and the same here. Uh, so we all use learning models, do some instructional design, so we can we know how to design and develop. Um, we can do some training delivery, especially when we think about like training delivery and you know learning technologies and evaluating learning impact. I would say that's a gray area for a lot of people. Um, but then what I did is I scraped, um, I wrote a Python script and I scraped uh, some job listings in, in uh, LinkedIn, Indeed, and Monster around instructional design, e-learning developer, training managers, and I forget what the other one was. I told you, Brent, what was it? There's, I did four. Um, I did four. I won't put you on the spot because you weren't paying attention. I don't remember. <laughs> I did not commit them to memory. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what I did is I found like these, what, what else are they, our employers looking for? And so the, this is just a short list um, and yeah. the orange of additional skills that it, I found really, really interesting that a lot of employers are putting storytelling in there as a skill that they're requiring. Hmm. Yeah, which is really interesting to me um, because I would say that falls under communication design, um, mm -hmm. but they're calling it out separately. So they're saying it's a it's a skill we want specifically. We want you to be able to storytell. It's in that is interesting that it's starting to show up. I mean, I know we've been talking about it as an industry at events, lots of blog posts on it, lots of. I mean, we've even been talking about it on Idiotic. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, for it to finally start showing up uh, is in is it, to me I think is really interesting. So I think one of the things that I wanted to talk about today too, and I, I don't want to steer this off track too much, but there's been a lot of stuff shared on LinkedIn and on Twitter that I've seen recently. It's bubbled up to the surface more so than I think in a long time, and that's the fact that whenever there are jobs out there listed for our industry, it's like they list like this superhuman that should have all of these skills and that that person doesn't exist. So, I, you know, I'm sure you ran into that from your Python script. I mean, it, but how, I mean, is that legit or is it really just them throwing a broad net? No, it's becoming legit, right? So I'm going to do this really quick. Let me just create a link to this. and I'll share it with everyone. Uh, and then, so then I guess my second question would be then, then because people are really freaked out by it and it's, it's kind of turned mm -hmm. into a joke, but if it's legit and we do need to know all the things, oh man, it's a bit depressing. So how do we go about 
getting all of those skills. I mean, because I mean, somebody like somebody like you and me and Chris, you know, we've been in this industry for a really long time. You kind of pick up this stuff along the way just because we're interested in it and we know it's a part mm-hmm. of it too, right? So, so we do get interested in storytelling. We do get interested in basics of communication design. We do learn a little bit of code just because you sort of have to at a certain point project management, you know, you get into XAPI because you like getting into the authoring tools, you know, so, so over time you build up this thing, but then the job description also says only three years of experience required and we'll pay you, you know, $40,000 a year. And then you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I, so it, it was interesting. So Kevin Thorne, uh, posted so you guys know kevin thorne right like he is a phenom right he is a phenom he is a a a thought leader he's he's awesome um uh so he posted about like he was looking through jobs and he was kind of freaked out about the skills that employers are asking for right and so then i went in and i looked at like what is he seeing that maybe i didn't see Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. They're looking for, and this is where the hybrid instructional designer comes in, right? So we're being hybridized. So, um, which means so it, the impact, when you think about the impact, it's not only, it impacts us greatly, right? But if you go, if you're an instructional designer with industry experience, you have the ability to specialize. Like you can say, okay, I'm going to specialize just in data analysis. That's going to be my, my superpower, that I'm going to bring in along with my instructional design skills, or I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to program in a language and I'm going to bring that in as my superpower, or I'm going to specialize in like visual design. Cause you really can't learn it all. Right. Um, right. But when it comes to um, like the programs that are creating the pipeline for these new instructional designers, right. They're getting freaked out because when they go on the market, they're like, wait, I didn't, learn any of this i don't know i don't know how to program i don't know data analysis i don't know xapi i don't know you know multimedia i don't know emerging tech i don't know so they're getting freaked out because they're the ones who are getting really hit with those roles where they're saying you need to have xyz and you need to know how to code and you need to know how to do this other stuff and you need one to two years of experience and we're going to pay you 40 grand Right. So I think our, the institutions that are are creating these pipeline of of uh, instructional designers need to look at their programs and start figuring out how do they hybridize those programs to teach some of these skills. And I mean, I and for us, right, who, who are already in the industry or trying to get into the industry, we just need to figure out, like, what's going to be our niche, because yeah. um, when you have a niche, you make yourself marketable and yeah. you and, but you need to be able to sell yourself, too. So. Yeah. Um, Mark, Mark's posted a question in the question and answers panel. Crystal ball aside, are there areas of specialization in ID that you see uh, being in the most demand in the next two to five years and beyond? Mm-hmm. Programming. <laughs> and that's not an ID skill. Right. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about this. So um, right. a lot of what I do is I use I use uh, web depth of knowledge with the colleges. So I help them and I use that. Are you guys familiar with web depth of knowledge? There's four levels. No. 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 Oh, no. no. I'm not competent. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. So so luckily, right, uh, you don't need to be competent. And it's just so it's just like another uh, measurement. Hold on, let me pull this up really quick. So Webseth knowledge is just basically um, 
think about entry level, um, intermediate level knowledge. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to Google this and ugh, let's see if I can pull this an picture up. Master. I'm yeah, glad, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm glad yeah. to hear this because not not having competence is is actually my area of specialization. So. <laughs> <laughs> I conscious love incompetence it. is my specialty. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to dump this uh, this link into the chat because I am um, depth. Someone needs to on a specific skill. So it goes from level one, which is recall. Level two is like being able to apply. Level three is like strategic thinking and reasoning. So like thinking through a problem and coming up with like, this is the approach we're gonna take. And then extended thinking is like that complex reasoning. And it, like, it's that's a lot of experimentation. So um, I'm at the point in my career where I'm expected be, to operate at a level four. Right, because I have I'm a dinosaur. So if I can't operate at a level four, which is that extending thinking, like thinking through complex problems and trying to experiment to see what works, and um, it it just it, it would put it would really hurt me to not have that knowledge, right? Um, and so uh, when you think about these hybridized skills. Um, when employers are asking for like programming and all this other, they're not expecting you to um, write a full API, a, a, you know, an application programming interface. They're not expecting you to write a full API. What they're expecting you to be able to do is like use some code snippets that maybe you find um, or can write yourself like small, like 30 lines of code. You understand what's going on in the code or you're able to read code. Um, not necessarily, it's like learning a new language, right? It's like, can you read it and understand what's going on there so then you can help them make good business decisions? Um, around, uh, the other one is visual design. Um, and with visual design, you guys know this whole thing around like design thinking and visual design are two separate things. And I've had people tell me like, I use design thinking. I'm like, yeah, that's different than visual design. Like, right. <laughs> made this PowerPoint slide by doing design thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, visual design, there's so many nuances around it. That's a huge area of specialty, right? Like yeah. it's, it's uh, UX design and it's um, understanding like accessibility and understanding like the cognitive load of like what you see on a page and stuff. I suck at UX design. Like I, I will tell you that. <laughs> You've got too much on this one right here, the hybridized ID. It's just far too many words for me. I think. Uh... <laughs> I think of it as. Uh, I, I think of it, and Carolyn was asking. Um, you know, I don't mind learning new tools, but am I expected to be a programmer? And I think what you're reinforcing here, Myra, is that you've got to know enough to be able to converse with other people who have those areas of to be able to that might be producing something. Not unlike maybe, mm -hmm. you know, knowing enough about visual design and Photoshop, et cetera, to be able to communicate successfully to someone. Um, I'm not going to open up Photoshop typically and do a lot of work at myself, but be able to explain, um, you know, the, the and communicate effectively, I guess, within that uh, within that body of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's just really um, it's just really interesting. And then uh, so I'm seeing in the comments like it's, uh, <laughs> So Deborah's saying, you know, um, it seems that the new term is learning experience design. We're going to see learning engineer come up soon. So learning experience is going to evolve into learning engineering. And I say, don't get hung up on titles. Yeah. Do not get hung up on titles. Um, because the moment you get hung up on, on your title, 
um, you're focusing on the wrong thing, right? Like who cares what they call you? If they call you an ID, if they call you a learning experience designer, if they call you an e-learning developer, this, you know, this, the skill set may be a little bit different between an e-learning developer and an ID, right? Um, but the yeah. title means nothing. The title, and in, in most organizations, the title means it's just a way of classifying you, of putting you in a bucket that identifies that you fall into a certain job family. Um, so I'll give you a perfect example. So at Amazon, there is no instructional designer role. We have instructional designers, right? Instructional designers fall under the program manager role. Hmm. So think about that, right? So um, it, titles are just a categorization that organizations use to bucket you, and that's how they kind of figure out your pay and your levels and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, where you need to really focus is on what skills am I going to be really, really, really good at, right? So I can bring value and show that value in an organization. So my whole, I, I, and I'll tell you, like, you need to know your strengths too. So I, I know that I'm a, I'm a people person and I know that I'm really good at building relationships and I'm, and I'm good at selling people on things and, and getting people and like selling my ideas. Right. And so when I look at these competencies, um, I specialize in knowledge management, right? And the knowledge management and change management um, because that requires uh, me to get buy-in from executives and, it, and, and, and people in higher positions, right? And, it, and, it, and I have to earn trust and they need to um, have confidence in me. And then to that, I bring my technical skills, right? Um, and I bring uh, this whole uh, not being afraid to take risks, right? Because I will try anything. And if it fails, it's like, oh, okay, that didn't work. Let's keep on going. I don't get hung up on, oh, geez, I'm going to lose my job because I failed in this one thing. And um, now I'm just like, I'm a failure. You know, that is never, failure is not a word in my vocabulary. Um, it's like, <laughs> if, it, if something didn't go the way I wanted it to, I will caveat and say, like, this is a test. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're Barb, testing this. Barb says, "Is this an agile environment?" Yeah, yes, it is. We are we are agile all the time. Perpetual yeah. beta. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that you mention all of this, um, and I think, I guess the it's like a it's a long term journey and it's a long term process when we're looking at all this, and I think. I think mm -hmm. that's where sort of the cognitive disconnect comes in when when we know that we've gathered a bunch of these skills over a long period of time, but then to all of a sudden see a job posting that sort of minimizes that collection of experiences and knowledge that took so many years, it feels it, it feels a little insulting, really. And I think that's where the frustration comes in because like you said, people ask you, you know, they think you have a crystal ball and they think, you know, Oh, you know, just tell me that one new thing that I need to learn and then tell me where I can go to learn it. Give me the six week course. Then I get the certification and then I'm going to go get the job. Right. And it just doesn't work like that. Really. You, it is for me. I always tell people, just what are you interested in? Like the, the, the new hybrid instructional designer just means 
there's this whole list of things that you should have basic understanding and knowledge of. And if you love doing, if you love being a teacher, if you love being an instructional designer, if you love what you're doing, all of these different things should interest you to some degree, I would think, and that you would go out on your own and you would kind of learn a little bit here, learn a little bit there, learn a little bit of this and, you know, and, and, and look for opportunities to, implement that knowledge or blend the two together and start to see how they relate to each other right like you used like you used your coding to gather a bunch of data to do research and analysis you know as chris and i were you know laughing when you first mentioned it to us before we went live oh yeah she just whipped up a python script just like that and, <laughs> and got all this data <laughs> but that's because of the journey you've taken in your whole mm -hmm. entire career. We're not saying, hey, everybody, go out there and take a six weeks course in Python and, you know, become fairly competent at it so you can whip together a little Python script to do this kind of stuff. Maybe if yeah. that experience exposes itself to you, great, go for it, you know, and, and learn it. And then, boom, you've got another little skill to add to your stuff. But... I don't know. It's 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 a difficult conversation. And I, th I think that's why there's so many people here trying to figure it out. Yeah. So let me let me share something, a secret with all of you. Employers do not know how to write job descriptions. Right. <gasps> so we think about people who are writing those job descriptions. They are pulling from like, yeah. So what? So, uh, hey, so remember that job you posted? Can you share that with me? Because I have an opening and I need some of those skills. And then I'm just going to throw in like a bunch of other things in here because You're I need to get the, I need to get this posted today. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, people that are posting <laughs> those jobs are they aren't thinking through and they're not spending weeks and months trying to think of like, what is the perfect, like, what is the perfect description for this job? And what do we want? No, they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink in there. And so a lot of times we tend to try and want to check all the boxes, right? And if we don't check almost every single one of those boxes, or if we don't check every single box, we then feel that we're not qualified for the role. And I can't tell you how many, how many roles I have obtained where I checked maybe one box, right? Where I was like, ah, I know that I'm going to apply, right? Like, um, and I've gotten the role. So uh, there's a couple of questions we should probably jump to in the question and, uh, panel. Uh, Peter, Peter is asking, um, if you find someone with solid technical skills and an interest in training, so coming from that technical and working towards training, what are the first three instructional design skills they should seek to learn? What do we think uh, so about that? Should, yeah, I would say learn um, first three instructional design skills is like, if you're already ha if you already have some kind of uh, you're coming like from a programming background, you already know about personas. So you know when you're coding, you're creating for a specific persona because you have the technical requirements. So you know who you're coding for. That translates into instructional design. Learn how to like you already have design skills. So like if you're coding, you have to create your design and put it through an approval process um, and have like peer reviews. Same thing in instructional design. I would say learn an authoring tool. Um, and then learn um, like an instructional design process, right? Like a learning model. Um, and and everyone says Addy. Addy, I'm gonna say, I, I Addy sucks. It's just too complex and too slow. But it's a standard. Every job posting you see out there says like an understanding of the Addy model, right? So just learn 
the learn what that means. It doesn't mean like you have to use every single step in the adding model, but learn what it means. Um, and I can tell you most instructional designers specialize in design and development. Mm -hmm. They don't do any, um, any needs assessments. Very few do evaluation and very few do uh, implementation, right? So yeah. if you learn the design and development piece, which you already have, if you have coding skills, because you have to create your design documents um, before you can code something, um, if you're working in a structured environment that requires that, right? Um, and yeah. you should be, because you're, especially if you're pushing code out to a public environment, because um, you need to know about security and you need to know about all that other stuff. So you're bringing like great skills to um, the instructional design environment. Um, and then learning how to manage people. And when I say manage people, I don't mean like being a manager of people, but being able to manage relationships and communication, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and, and so, uh, let's flip it backwards. Christian is asking, or Christine is asking, are there certain skills that you think are obsolete that might've been relevant five years ago? Yeah, let's flip I'm script on the conversation. <laughs> skills that are obsolete. Um, so that's an interesting one, right? Because when you look at these jobs, they're still asking for a lot of these um, skills, the traditional skills, right? So they want what us to have, mean? oh, do you have one, Brent? Go ahead. Burning CD-ROMs. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 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 yes. You no longer have to burn CD-ROMs. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like I think about it. Um, so most of them, most employers want you to have the traditional ID skills, but they also want you to have like plus, you know, but wait, there's more. <laughs> the cutting edge, but yeah. we can't let go of the basics. Yeah. Um, um, and then, uh, doo -doo -doo -doo, sorry, I'm scrolling down here. Uh, Deborah's asking, uh, can you talk about trans gamification versus virtual reality? And I think there was some discussions in there, um, but are those skills different from instructional design? Um, and I, I got to think partly that, the, you know, this is the, an area where, you know, if gamification is there, you need to know enough to be able to talk about it, to understand it um, and communicate about it, for instance, as well as, you know, virtual reality. But if you're working within those those areas and it's still making something instructional, then, yeah, all your baseline instructional design skills are still going to play a role in that. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I posted to her that, you know, the, so the, the core skills needed around gamification of virtual reality um, are different, uh, you know, because game, gamification, you need to know like game mechanics and you need to know like um, kind of like the metacognitive aspects of that, right? And with virtual reality, you're thinking about um, the design portion of it, like virtual reality, you're thinking about impact, you're thinking about cognitive loads, you're thinking about uh, the technical, like can we pull this off in this technical arena, right? Um, I would also say specialize, Right. So I, I and I know some of you know that virtual reality has been kind of my my stick. Right. Um, and I still play around in VR uh, gamification. Not so much like I love games and I apply some game mechanics. Um, I understand enough about game mechanics. Right. But it's it's vastly different. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a game designer. I dropped in the chat. You you mentioned Kevin Thorne, so I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, spending a week with Kevin Thorne and Dr. Carl Kopp and Deborah Thomas and a few other folks um, learning game design and using game design to create instruction and 
it was really, I mean, I, I'm a dinosaur too, just like Myra, been around a long time, and I refreshed my memory on a lot of things and learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know I needed to learn. And so when we talk about this kind of stuff and when people ask, um, you know, just understanding sort of the analog process of game design, if you take yourself out of tech world for a minute and try to just do analog, um, it, it, it applies obviously it transfers over to the digital so you don't have to worry about it right you do once you learn the, the process and figure out how to solve instructional problems using game design thinking the way carl Kopp talks about it mm -hmm. it opens up a whole new process model for you and is it yeah still kind of addy ish yes it's great so learn addy too great understand it and know it but thinking like a game designer is hugely beneficial when uh, I think it's going to be a big, big deal in the future. And it incorporates all of that cool stuff, all the storytelling, uh, you know, solving a business problem, understanding game dynamics and core dynamics and getting, you know, how do you engage people, right? We talk about, oh, boring e-learning, you know, click next, click next, click next. There's ways to use design and game thinking to create very, very simple experiences, but are wholly engaging. And I think we've lost that. And so I think I think the game design world is bringing that back. And I think that's what's exciting about it. It's not, hey, can you build a Jeopardy game in your local authoring tool? Mm -hmm. It's how do you think like a game designer to build instruction? And it's a totally different thing. I think we're gonna yeah, see, um, we're gonna see a lot of uh, angry geese involved in, in gamification over the next year. Angry geese. <laughs> so, uh, and you know what I, and so when you think about that, right, like you're talking about like game mechanics and stuff like that, and you just said become a game designer. Think of what you just said, right? Like game design is a whole different realm, right? And that becomes very, like for a lot of people, I like, oh my gosh, and I got to learn like game design. And again, we need to be careful and we just need to stress that you don't need to become a game designer, right? right. You need to know, you, you need, yeah, and you need to decide, and you also need to decide what's going to be your specialty because you can't be a master of everything. I can tell yeah. you, I am not a master. I'm a master of nothing, <laughs> right? Uh, I know a lot of things, um, and I've mastered, I mastered like one or two, but I'm not a master of everything. A highly um, experienced generalist. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, someone posted a question that really jumped out at me. Um, it's just like, uh, at Jennifer, I hear this all of, a lot with, with my K-12 work. Why learn it when you can find it? Mm. That to me, um, and I didn't, I couldn't find Jennifer's question uh, as I was scrolling through because this is just like, um, it's a lot of conversation going on. Uh, but yeah, so like um, this whole idea of like, why learn it when you can find it? Think about this. Um, from a learner perspective, right? And this is where our challenge is, is that how many of you learn things on YouTube? Like just show hands in, in the comments. Just a yes, a yes, a yes, a yes, right? How many of you, I learned how to replace a starter on my fireplace by watching a YouTube video. I learned how to bleed my furnace <laughs> by watching a YouTube video where I was like, I'm going to blow up the house, but we're going to try this. Um, <laughs> Don't light up the match right now, people. 
I know. I was like, like, I would tell my kids, like, please leave the house. I'm going to bleed the furnace. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But then think about like how many people have been like, how many times have you looked up like how to, how to write a good email or how to word, you know, document or how to create a design document or how to like, we're looking for templates, right? So, um, we have, we are bombarded daily with so much information and our brains can only retain a small amount of information, right? So I always say like, that's where you have to, um, decide what are you going to specialize in, right? You don't need to know it all. You just need to like, uh, you know, kind of, uh, figure out like what you, what's really focused your attention on. And then the rest is just, um, you can look it up, right? <laughs> if it comes up. And once you get in a job, like you'll know like what exactly is it that you need to, they're expecting you to do. So they created this like superhuman ID role and you get that role and then you go in and they're like, yeah, create a couple, a couple PowerPoints. You're like, but wait, I thought I needed to code. And, I, and they're like, no, we just need some PowerPoints. You know I, mean? I was just going to say, <laughs> that after you've gotten one of those jobs that lists all that stuff out and you're thinking, wow, I'm going to get I'm getting into the coolest job ever. And then they go, okay, here's all these PowerPoint slides. I just want to make, I want you to make them look pretty and put them into that cool authoring tool. And then we're going to push them mm -hmm. into our LMS. That's really all we need you to do. And you're like, wow, that job description made it sound so much cooler. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll clarify something quickly on the game design thing. Um, I, I, I hope I didn't make any everybody think out there that they need to become a game designer. Um, I've been really interested in it for a long time, and I've read all the books. I've read Carl's books. I've read other people's books. I've I've booked game design speakers. Eric Zimmerman uh, is a fantastic game design theorist. There's a whole bunch of great thinkers out there. Read all the blog posts. Uh, all of that, but I'd never built a game before. Like I've done game stuff on using templates and authoring tools and whatnot, but never sat and gone through the process from idea to creating a product. And that just doing that process in a very simple way in a card game was a really eye-opening for me. And so I'm not, I again, I wouldn't consider myself now all of a sudden a magic game designer, but going through the process and just cranking through the creative process in general was amazingly powerful. And I, I was not expecting it to be like that at all. And so I would encourage everybody, you've got to do it. It's one thing to read about it and be interested in it, but you got to figure out a way to engage somehow and, and, and just go through the process. Again, you don't have to be an expert, just experience doing it. I think that um, part of it is like you're putting that fear away, testing the waters of something new. And as soon as you start sort of digging into something, you're going to you're going to see other connections to things that you already do. You're going to also see opportunities to do things yeah. uh, you know, differently as well. But unless you are reaching out towards some of these other skills and starting to dig in a bit, um, you, you, you're missing opportunities then to change and to expand and to grow. And that's really yeah, what you're talking about hybrid instructional designer are, are mm -hmm. I think, I mean, our future role is going to require us to be taking all of these different areas, these different concepts for the people that we serve and telling them and helping them 
learn different and new things and pulling together interesting combinations of things and utilizing those to educate and to train and to get that next generation workforce um, up to speed. Yeah, well, yeah, we need to change too, but our, our jobs are going to be very quickly becoming everybody leaning on us to spin up the rest of the workforce as well. Mm -hmm. We're in interesting times. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's probably a good place to roll the music. Brent, did you find Myra's theme song yet? I did not, but I'm uh, going to find a special one for the next time she's on. Excellent. I, I'll, I'll find a good Puerto Rican tune for you. <laughs> in, in the public domain. In the public domain. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this was uh, totally fun. Myra, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, so I am LinkedIn. <laughs> and Twitter. Throw my... Uh, if I can remember it. <laughs> awesome. You guys yeah, are great. Think, Thanks for joining then, uh, me. Chris, what do we got coming up? We're, we're doing some cool things, aren't we? Us? No, never. Uh, DevLearn, <laughs> if you're going to DevLearn, join us for the live idiotic episode there on the Wednesday morning as usual. Um, we, got, we can throw the deets maybe if we've got that sort of ready to copy paste. Uh, if you're in the Ottawa area or Eastern Ontario or even Northern New York State, come join us on October 17th here at the office. We're doing a getting started in video uh, morning of learning for, for folks free. Um, we can send out, we've been sending out info about that. So that's a couple of cool, awesome things that we have underway. Awesome. Yeah. So let's get everybody out at DevLearn for, uh, we're going to go live and let's do that. That'll be fun on the Wednesday morning of DevLearn. It's going to be tough. Bring you down to shoes. Yeah. Or at least dancing shoulders. Let's dance out of here, people. Thanks, everybody. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.